0: Hi folks,
1: this is Rue. And Dave.
0: And welcome to So Many Books, So Little Time. Today we continue with Jane Austen's North Hanger Abbey and Chapter 15. Cue the music!
1: two since our last record mainly due to noise issues in and around the places we do record Um, a couple medical things here and there if I recall Mm -hmm. I can't even remember what happened to me over the last few days you can't expect me to remember a couple weeks back that's just ludicrous
0: it's been an eventful fortnight that is what has been going on it's like life life has happened life has been very lifey um Yes, that is, that is the uh, description we're going to go with. Um, so yeah, uh, hence we are now resuming, though. Uh, we're back to on track. There's been a lot of events uh, all around the world uh, at this particular time. Let's not worry too much about the details because there's enough worrying going on without us having to contribute to that. Hmm. Actually, um, feel-
1: well, um, because a bit of time has uh, gone past since our last recording, even though for you lovely listeners it's only been a week... The wonders of technology and having a buffer. Um, Last time, I believe, I talked about how I was reading the first book in the Mistborn saga.
0: Yes, you did. And um,
1: I was very much enjoying it. Uh, I was talking about how it's one of the better fantasy books to capture my attention in years. So I finished it pretty much like a week and a half ago. Not long after we um, uh, recorded last time because... You know, it was one of those things where I'm like, read, read, read. Oh, look, it's two in the morning. Better go to bed. Next night, read, read, read. Oh, it's one thirty. I guess I better go to bed. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> um, I still think it's a great book. And I'm, I enjoyed the writing style and the characters. But for me, the author did not stick the landing. The mm. ending of the book kind of made me go, uh, hi. And, you know, if you're not if an ending of a book isn't satisfying, and if the ending of any story isn't satisfying, you always walk away with kind of a diminished uh, opinion of the story as a whole. Like, you know, the the book made promises to you, and the way it ended maybe didn't fulfill those promises, or at least in a way you were thinking they would. So much so where I'd like to continue the series, like I'll probably, I will read the second one, but I'm gonna wait maybe a few months before I dive into yeah, it, it rather puts you than up. when yeah. I when I finished the first resident book over a decade ago was I must read the second one immediately.
0: <laughs> no, you just. But some books, you, yeah, they're not always. It's it's hard. This is not putting pressure on all young authors out there, but it does. Um, yeah, different levels of uh, if you you don't um, if a reader finds a book like kind of going a bit odd. Towards the end, it can be off-putting, or if it's it's not a, like if it doesn't make sense to the reader, does that make sense? You know no, what to, I mean?
1: Because um, to be the more I've thought about it, because it has I've thought about the ending quite a bit since it happened. It wasn't that it was a bad ending; like it did make sense for the story. I guess it's just kind of there. There were a couple revelations. You know, it was like one of those big climax moments, and then it kind of changed how. The preceding book looked because of what happened, mm. and the way it did that made me not kind of like what the whole story was about, or you know how things were wrapping up. It, it, it's it's well a it's hard to articulate without going to into specifics about the story, which of course I don't want to do because there might be listeners who would like to read it and haven't, and you know you, even even though I think most spoiler culture is rather silly, I I do understand. That most people like the surprise of not knowing how um, mm. a story is going to play out.
0: Yes. I, yeah, I can, I understand. Like, yeah, I, it, we've, I've had that with books where I'll read it like two thirds through and then something happens in terms of the way the story is being expressed or something's happening with the characters where I'm going, that doesn't seem to gel with what I know of the characters I get what they're trying to do here. I follow the logic of why things would turn out this way, but I don't feel it's, it's like, I feel like, okay, don't want to be judgmental, but sometimes it feels like lazy writing. That's, or, or it's like, you're wanting a certain ending in order to set yourself up for the next book. And then, then it doesn't, um, uh, I, I have feelings on your book should be able to, or your story should be able to stand alone without you having to continue into other books. Mm. Um, and it should be in such a way that you're staying true to the characters that you are writing of, that that stays constant throughout the the um, story, which I will not question is an incredibly difficult thing to do. Like I admire writers um, and it's not a judgment. Like it, it fe- the reason I say it feels like lazy writing, it's sometimes like they're under pressure, there's deadlines, it doesn't, it feels rushed or it doesn't feel like it's a natural Ending, as far as my perspective goes, and I acknowledge that my perspective is not what determines how it's written. It, my perspective it determines how it's read. Actually, that's, a, that's the big difference. How I read it is not going to be how everyone else reads it as well. Well,
1: so, uh, what you just said about uh, writers and um, their craft. I mean, you know, one of the most popular authors of our era is Stephen King. Mm. And um, he's he's one of those workaholic writers. He just locks himself in a room for hours each day and just writes. You know, to him, he treats yes. it as, as a craft. And he, no matter how he's feeling, he just keeps plugging away at it. And that's why he releases, you know, like two to three books a year. Um, and you know, I've read a good chunk of King's writing. And for those who have, or even for those who haven't, you've probably heard. Um, the general consensus that King has a problem with endings. And yeah. in a lot of the books I've read, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, <laughs> one that sticks out, actually two that stick out of my mind are The Stand and Itch, two of his more popular books. Um, heck, the *The Dark Tower series, a lot of people do not like the ending. I, I thought it was, it was one of the few times where he really stuck it. It's like, oh no, that story couldn't have ended any other way for me but there there's contention and um i think maybe it's a volume thing you know i think king's a great writer and he he, maybe to to use like a baseball metaphor maybe he bats you know like like he hits four out of every 10 you know and that's Mm. a good average in baseball so Mm. so you know even the best that the craft aren't going to um have a success every time and That's just me saying that, you know, I'm sure there are people who thought the, the ending to like the stand was amazing and that's a, their favorite book, you know,
0: and that's the beauty. That's the beauty of this kind of thing. Like you don't have to be, um, I'm trying to think of the way to phrase this without being offensive. Okay. So say you particularly like a book or you like a way a certain author writes. Yes. This, the, the, there is a, there's these cultural ideas of being very attached to the, to that particular book or to that particular author being, I mean, the expression is to be a rabid fan. Um, and, and honestly, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not going to judge another person for being a fan of this or a fan of that, like, because there's no point. Like, I, I don't, I'm not going to be attached to that. I, I, I will try and not judge a person for being a fan of someone as a person if they are conducting themselves in a way that is harmful to others, that's one thing. But the idea of being so attached to your perspective or your read of a book, for example, or your thing that hurts because it's not actually allowing for dialogue. So bringing it, connecting it to, for example, our Jane Austen book. So you've got the dialogue that we had with um, Mr. Tilney and uh, Miss Tilney and uh, what's her name? Crate. I don't remember the name of the first. Okay. So Catherine, Mister, and Miss, Mister, and Miss Tilney's conversation is actually a great example of that. You can be if like you can really enjoy the writing of the author. They actually discussed that. They were discussing the fact that they enjoy. A certain author. They 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 were having conversations, and although they they um, had common ground, and although they they um, had things that they agreed on, there were also things that, not only regarding the author, but other things they were disagreeing on. But the way they disagreed was not in a, in a um, I mean, more so on Mr. Tilney's way of communicating at that time, which we know, according to his sisters, actually not serious, like Mr. Tilney was being, was teasing and being sarcastic um, about his views on women, for example, but the fact that they were still able to have like a conversation about all sorts of things um, and it not being tainted by this attachment. Like I found, I, I enjoyed reading this. Okay. Uh I read that I didn't enjoy it. Like you can you can have different reads on the same thing. I didn't like the ending. I well I didn't mind the ending. Ending wasn't too bad. This was off-putting. Oh, I I didn't like I didn't really notice that. That kind of stuff. We need a little bit more of that. Not to say that when it comes to things that are like literally harmful to others, that's a bit where it gets dodgy. England, sorry, Australian expression also used in the UK to indicate that it is not quite um, sound. It is not sound to to have that approach. But if you're able to have dialogue about things and be open to hearing the other person's perspective, maybe on less, um, less life-impacting things, a book, uh, a, a novel, a song, sure, yeah. But um, um, I, I but, will yeah.
1: say... Uh, they did have two great advantages. One, they were all in person. Mm. And two, they were having a walk. I've actually read a lot about um, how if you if you really want to have a good dialogue with someone, um, a walk can be a wonderful way to do it because you're both constantly looking forward. And there's this idea that as you're exercising as well, uh, it lubricates the conversation. Hmm. It, and I, and, it engages yeah. creativity as well. Like it, 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 I, I've heard of a lot of uh, meetings now being done with walking.
0: Which, yes, but also that immediately places um, individuals who cannot walk at a disadvantage. So that becomes, I mean, if, for example, business meetings were being conducted by walking around together... For example it's not not like a conversation where social conversation was being dependent on a walk and talk that um disproportionately like it disadvantages people who can't do that and then then they miss out on being members of society and conversation and then we miss out on their perspectives as well for those who can do the walking they miss out on hearing insights from a perspective that they normally wouldn't hear so it's interesting we have to, uh, uh, but yeah phys- like having some sort of physical activity be it knitting or sewing, or being like doing something. And if you happen to be able enough to, to do two things at the same time, if you're able to knit and sew and talk at the same time, it helps because you are, you are engaging your creativity, you're engaging your, um, you're engaging in a common activity uh, at the same time. So even if you might disagree on a point or a topic, you're agreeing on that one thing that you are doing together either way, because you enjoy, knitting, sewing, uh, dancing, walking, whatever it is that you're doing at the same time.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think the to get the um, the pressure off the conversation is the primary activity.
0: Yes, yes, the, the purpose. Yeah, the purpose would be to actually um, allow people to feel safe enough because they're doing something else and not feel like as soon as they speak, everyone, all eyes are on you. Yeah, it, definitely. Um, but yeah, so we were kind of noticing, but notice the difference, the, the stark contrast between the kind of conversation between the Tilneys and um, Catherine versus the kind of conversations with the Thorpes and Catherine. Isabella assumes about her, doesn't ask about her interest, doesn't ask about her perspective, just immediately assumes her opinions and interests. And the same goes with Thorpe, Thorpe just immediately just has this attitude of even when he did ask about her interests dismissed and disparaged them or made assumptions as to why
1: and then contradicted himself. He asked about them just so he could show off some more.
0: Yes. Or mock them because that was for Mm. him. Like we were talking about this last time that Tilney mocks, but not in a, not in the same way that Thorpe mocks. Morp. Morp. Yeah. Morp. Morp. (laughs) The way that Thorpe mocks um, is because he's trying to make himself look good, feel good, boost, 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 um, whatever. Whereas the way that Tilney mocks, it's like the, uh, almost like a gentle needling and he even gets told off by his sister when it goes too far. And it's just to mock the society as a whole or the attitude as a whole, not the person necessarily who's, who he's interacting with.
1: And the whole it- time, yeah. It, well it's funny as well because him mocking the general society echoes every time austin herself seems to interject her own um viewpoints as the author into the story which happened quite a lot last chapter
0: yeah it did and 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 i think that tilney is probably uh in part the voice of austin um not not entirely because she she also wants this to be a character but maybe that's the challenge. Um, this is we've come talked about this but this is her first novel that she wrote um and it's also uh it's not one that was published it was one that kind of remained uh that was a a post uh, posthumously um published whereas um other books if if anyone readers would be more familiar like pride and prejudice uh emma all these things they have a certain amount in fact they've quite harshly criticize the society they're in and the and the attitudes but the way it's done is a lot more um it's a lot more uh, not indirect it is fairly direct but it's just not like the author interjecting as much um whereas more subtle she's more subtle she allows the characters experiences and dialogue to actually show a lot more of that commentary she does sort like um, like what we had with the introduction in a ho- house where there are enough mouths to feed, like there's enough food for the mouths to feed and enough hands for the heads or whatever that kind of, so she, she has that kind is a very fine house. Um, that kind of, uh, thing she does as well, but it's, it's more, um, her, like her actual commentary on society is a lot more subtle and it's a lot more, uh, in the behavior dialogue of the characters so till but not overtly not like where you've got tilney who's pretty much sounding like the author's voice at the same time as when the author interjects it sound they sound very similar like too close for it to be distinguishable uh, yeah but that's that's something probably austen uh, people who who study literature and austen are are a lot like there's probably papers out there that would be interesting to go to. So if anyone is actually interested in that, that would be a good start, say, like the voice of the author. And look at Jane Austen, how she expresses her views and her, her voice through her characters. Um, but yeah, she's, it, it's been interesting. And then you've got the contrast with Isabella, who does his assumptions. Thorpe, who basically is doing it to feel good about himself, obviously, or is just a pompous ass and just wants to make... Look at the way Thorpe talks to his sisters mm-hmm. and his mother like it's constant belittling and mocking and literally just uh, I don't want to use the word abuse because that's it, it is a form of abuse really cuz as the male um oldest the male oldest male of the family he has an, uh, in this society an excessive amount of power in proportion to his his, his sisters are completely dependent on him Hmm completely his mother is completely dependent on him poor women yeah Uh, and basically they kind of let him get away with whatever he wants to say and do even when he is talking to them disrespectfully and, and whatnot because they they don't have rights all their rights are tied up in thorpe they can't own property there's 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 a whole there was a whole bunch of issues at the time of um Austin, like that transition of that Regency period, and also the the periods before and after were really fraught with issues. Um, but yeah, so here.
1: Well, shall today.
0: we move on? Shall continue? On? So, um, as, remember at the end of the chapter fourteen, we had a um, was. Well, let me see. Dinner. Um, well, that's happening. Yes, but she saw um, that oh, yes. they. So Catherine bumped into um,
1: Thorpe's sister.
0: Yeah. So Thorpe's, so Catherine bumped into Anne Thorpe at the end of this chapter and found out they did actually go for the ride um, that they took Maria, this other sister um, of, of Thorpe and um, the, the way that Anne talks is also the same way that Isabella talks which is I could they couldn't have made me go for the world even if they had all asked and begged me to go I wouldn't have gone like that kind of trying to say that oh well I didn't really want to go it's not my kind of thing like the indifference feigned indifference in fact the the expression the lady doth protest too much comes to mind when mm. it comes when this is and and um but she was Catherine was assured at least in the sense that they didn't go without appropriate chaperone,
1: mm. at
0: least. Um, and hopefully that they had a good day and that neither uh, that they would, particularly her brother would no longer resent her for not going and that they wouldn't be angry too much longer or whatever. She had a good day. She's hoping they had a good day. They had a good day. Okay. So let's see. Well,
1: we don't know if they had We don't a good
0: know, day. but we know they got to do what they wanted to do. They got, mm. they got their way. Not necessarily. We don't know if it was a good day, but we know they got their way. So whatever. Let's let's see how that goes. So, chapter 15. Early the next day, a note from Isabella, speaking peace and tenderness in every line, and entreating the immediate presence of her friend on a matter of the utmost importance, hastened Catherine, in the happiest state of confidence and curiosity, to Edgar's buildings. The two youngest Miss Thorpes were by themselves in the parlour, and, on Anne's quitting it to call her sister, Catherine took the opportunity of asking the other for some particulars of their yesterday's party. Maria desired no greater pleasure than to speak of it, and Catherine immediately learned that it had been altogether the most delightful scheme in the world, that nobody could imagine how charming it had been, and that it had been more delightful than anybody could conceive. Such was the information of the first five minutes, the second unfolded thus in much detail, that they had driven directly to the York Hotel, ate some soup and bespoke an early dinner, walked down to the pump-room, tasted the water, and laid out some shillings in purses and spars, thence enjoined to eat ice at a pastry cook's and hurrying back to the hotel, swallowing their dinner in haste to prevent being in the dark, and then had a delightful drive back. Only the moon was not up, and it rained a little, and Mr. Morland's horse was so tired he could hardly get it along. <laughs> so they ate some stuff. Good job. Catherine listened with heartfelt satisfaction. It appeared that Blaize Castle had never been thought of, and, as for all the rest, there was nothing to regret for half an instant. Maria's intelligence concluded with a tender effusion of pity for her sister Anne, whom she represented as insupportably cross from being excluded the party.
1: What you were just saying before the chapter started. Methinks the yeah. lady doth protest too much.
0: Yes, but at the same time, Maria's also saying it was the best day in the world. We ate stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, sounds like a good day to me.
0: I know, but mm, it's interesting that Catherine's kind of going, they didn't even go to the castle.
1: I dodged a bullet
0: yeah pretty much which i mean it's fomo she was worried that they'd gone and had fun and she missed out and it was a miss out but at the same time she's like going they didn't even do the things that like that doesn't sound like anything i would have been interested in either way so she will never forgive me i am sure but you know how could i help it john would have me go for he vowed he would not drive her because she had such thick ankles oh god what Yeah. yeah I dare say she will not be in a good humor again this month. But I am determined I will not be cross. It is not a little matter that puts me out of temper. Okay, so Maria got taken along because she's the prettier of the two that he considers ugly. Because he's a superficial poop.
1: You love John Thorpe.
0: Yes, he's wonderful. I'm sure he's forgivable. No, no, he's not.
1: John Thorpe or Josie Pye? How's that right?
0: Oh... Josie is. Mm, I think we need to make this a survey. I'm gonna. I'm gonna we'll have to analyze it. Every, every time we come,
1: every time we come across an insufferable character in one of the books,
0: all of them. Who is the most insufferable character in any of these books? Oh, um, <clears throat> hmm. Isabella now entered the room with so eager a step and a look of such happy importance as engaged all her friends' notice. Maria was, without ceremony, sent away, and Isabella, embracing Catherine, thus began. "'Yes, my dear Catherine, it is so indeed. Your penetration has not deceived you. Oh, that arch-eye of yours, it sees through everything!' Catherine replied only by a look of wondering ignorance. "'Nay, my beloved, sweetest friend,' continued the other. "'Compose yourself. I am amazingly agitated, as you perceive. Let us sit down and talk in comfort.' well and so you guessed it in the moment you had my note sly creature oh my dear catherine you alone who know my heart can judge of my present happiness your brother is the most charming of men i only wish i were more worthy of him but what will your excellent father and mother say oh heavens when i think of them i am so agitated catherine's understanding began to awake an idea of the truth suddenly darted into her mind and, with the natural blush of so new an emotion, she cried out, Good heaven! My dear Isabella, what do you mean? Can you? Can you really be in love with James? This bold surmise, however, she soon learned, comprehended but half the fact. The anxious affection which she was accused of having, continually watched in Isabella's every look and action, had, in the course of their yesterday's party, received the delightful confession of an equal love her heart and faith were alike engaged to james never had catherine listened to anything so full of interest wonder and joy her brother and her friend engaged new to such circumstances the importance of it appeared unspeakably great and she contemplated it as one of those grand events of which the ordinary course of life can hardly afford a return the strength of her feelings she could not express the nature of them, however, contented her friend. The happiness of having such a sister was their first effusion, and the fair ladies mingled in embraces and tears of joy. So, just that previous paragraph? How how are we getting the thing like... She's like, what is she going on about? Oh, 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 that's so cool. Hey. the Happiness, yes, great. Really, joyous. Delighting, however, as Catherine sincerely did in the prospect of the connection it must be acknowledged that Isabella far surpassed her in tender anticipations. You will be so infinitely dearer to me, my Catherine, than either Anne or Maria. I feel that I shall be so much more attached to my dear Morland's family than to my own. This was a pitch of friendship beyond Catherine. You are so like your dear brother, continued Isabella, that I quite doted on you the first moment I saw you. But so it always is with me. The first moment settles everything. The very first day that Morland came to us last Christmas, the very first moment I beheld him, my heart was irrecoverably gone. I remember I wore my yellow gown with my hair done up in braids, and when I came into the drawing-room and John introduced him, I thought I never saw anybody so handsome before.' Here Catherine secretly acknowledged the power of love, for though exceedingly fond of her brother, and partial to all his endowments, she had never in her life thought him handsome.
1: <laughs> I I love my brother, but I never would have thought him handsome.
0: Like look he's got many traits, is that but uh, handsome? Okay, well sure. The power that. of That's love. What, yeah, my must goodness. Be love. <laughs> I remember, too, Miss Andrews drank tea with us that evening and wore her puce-coloured sarsenet, and she looked so heavenly that I thought your brother must certainly fall in love with her. I could not sleep a wink all night for thinking of it. Oh, Catherine, the many sleepless nights I have had on your brother's account! I would not have you suffer half of what I have done. I am grown wretchedly thin, I know, but I will not pain you by describing my anxiety. You have seen enough of it. I feel that I have betrayed myself perpetually, so unguarded in speaking of my partiality for the church. But my secret, I was always sure, would be safe with you. Catherine felt that nothing could have been safer, but ashamed of an ignorance little expected, she dared no longer contest the point, nor refused to have been as full of arch penetration and affectionate sympathy as Isabella chose to consider her her brother she found was preparing to set off with all speed to fullerton to make known his situation and ask consent and here was a source of some real agitation to the mind of isabella catherine endeavoured to persuade her as she herself was persuaded that her father and mother would never oppose their son's wishes it is impossible said she for parents to be more kind or more desirous of their children's happiness i have no doubt of their consenting immediately "'Morland says exactly the same,' replied Isabella, "'and yet I dare not expect it. "'My fortune will be so small, they can never consent to it. "'Your brother, who might marry anybody!' "'Here Catherine again discerned the force of love. "'Indeed, Isabella, you are too humble. "'The difference of fortune can be nothing to signify. "'Oh, my sweet Catherine, in your generous heart "'I know it would signify nothing. "'But we must not expect such disinterestedness in many.' As for myself, I am sure I only wish our situations were reversed. Had I the command of millions, were I mistress of the whole world, your brother would be my only choice. This charming sentiment, recommended as much by sense as novelty, gave Catherine a most pleasing remembrance of all the heroines of her acquaintance, and she thought her friend never looked more lovely than in uttering the grand idea. I am sure they'll consent, was her frequent declaration. I am sure they will be delighted with you. For my own part, said Isabella, my wishes are so moderate that the smallest income in nature would be enough for me. Where people are really attached, poverty itself is wealth. Grandeur I detest. I would not settle in London for the universe. A cottage in some retired village would be ecstasy. There are some charming little villas about Richmond. Richmond, cried Catherine, you must settle near Fullerton, you must be near us. I am sure I shall be miserable if we do not. If I can but be near you, I shall be satisfied. But this is idle talking. I will not allow myself to think of such things till we have your father's answer. Morland said that by sending it to-night to Salisbury, we may have it to-morrow. To-morrow! I know I shall never have courage to open the letter. I know it will be the death of me. A reverie succeeded this conviction, and when Isabella spoke again, it was to resolve on the quality of her wedding gown. Their conference was put to an end by the anxious young lover himself, who came to breathe his parting sigh before he set off for Wiltshire. Catherine wished to congratulate him, but knew not what to say, and her eloquence was only in her eyes. From them, however, the eight parts of speech shone out most expressively, and James could combine them with ease. "'Impatient for the realisation of all that he hoped at home, "'his eduars were not long, and they would have been yet shorter, "'had he not been frequently detained by the urgent entreaties "'of his fair one, that he would go. "'Twice he was called almost from the door "'by her eagerness to have him gone. "'Indeed, Morland, I must drive you away. "'Consider how far you have to ride. "'I cannot bear to see you linger so. "'For heaven's sake, waste no more time. "'There, go, go, I insist on it. "'Oh, my gosh!' So she keeps saying, she keeps saying, go, go, and then that makes him of course stop and have to be polite.
1: But wait, but go,
0: but wait, but go, but wait. The two friends, with hearts now more united than ever, were inseparable for the day, and in schemes of sisterly happiness, the hours flew along. So going back, so this. Uh, there's consent is what's being sought there's been a thing he's gone off to find out he's going off to find out um, there was a bit in there before that made it stood out there's all again Isabella with her assumptions and and Catherine's like I don't want to admit that I didn't guess or I didn't know so I'm just gonna shush uh, that's that's you know Better, well, better, th- that expression, better to, to, to look like a, uh, better to look than a fool, um, than co- to confirm it with your words, like by opening your mouth.
1: Well, also also, um, with Isabella always kind of imprinting her own desires onto Catherine, the fact that she was silent, Isabella's like, you got it right, this is exactly what I thought you'd say, and then proceeded to take charge of the conversation anyway, yeah. and to um, put it all forth. Although Catherine caught on pretty quick.
0: Yeah, she did. She got there. But it was just, but also afterwards, where he's like, I don't want to, like, you must have known the whole time. Like, no, I had no idea, man. I don't know. I knew my brother liked you, but I didn't know what was going on there. So yeah, The two friends, with hearts now more united than ever, were inseparable for the day, and in schemes of sisterly happiness, the hours flew along. Mrs. Thorpe and her son, who were acquainted with everything, and who seemed only to want Mr. Morland's consent, to consider Isabella's engagement as the most fortunate circumstance imaginable for their family, were allowed to join their councils, and add their quota of significant looks and mysterious expressions, to fill up the measure of curiosity to be raised in the unprivileged younger sisters.' To Catherine's simple feelings this odd sort of reserved seemed neither kindly meant nor consistently supported, and its unkindness she would hardly have forborne pointing out had its inconsistency been less their friend. But Anne and Maria soon set her heart at ease by the sagacity of their I-know-what, and the evening was spent in a sort of war of wit, a display of family ingenuity, on one side, in the mystery of an affected secret on the other of undefined discovery, all equally acute. Mm. So they're not looping in the sisters, but so uh, miss, Mrs. Thorpe knows, uh, Mr. Thorpe knows, or, uh, uh, John knows, um, and uh, Catherine knows, and um, what's her name, um, Isabella? Isabella knows, so they all know.
1: Well, well, considering she was the one who was uh, asked proposed to I would about hope so. the engagement.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's it's the thing, and they're they're rather than just telling the sisters, they're just kind of saying. They're like, like, going, you know, when we need to do this and that and that, but without actually making, making sure that they're not actually looped in. And that's their entertainment, so to speak, because, and Catherine was like, going, this is a bit weird. Like it's rude to do. Mm. Like, why would you do that? Um, and then they just kind of went, look, I know what's going on. Like, we know, we understand. You don't have to tell us for us to know. Right. But I think this is why also someone like Isabella goes how are you sly creature, you knew, you knew. It's like, how, what? That's what they do in their family. It's, they won't admit that they don't know when they, when there's something that is like, you know, that kind of thing. It's just a constant.
1: Ignorance is a weakness to be mocked.
0: Yes. And if you aren't told, how are you meant to know? Like, it's, it's ridiculous. The whole thing is, is just.
1: Which is why John has to act like he's the best at everything. And
0: yeah, they, they like to, well, also, an affected secret meaning that they like where I'm special because I know this thing that you don't know. Yeah. And how could you not know? Like it's, it's really, it's a very unhealthy family. Hmm. Mm. Catherine was with her friend again the next day, endeavoring to support her spirits and while away the many tedious hours before the delivery of the letters A needful exertion. For as the time of reasonable expectation drew near, Isabella became more and more desponding and, before the letter arrived, had worked herself into a state of real distress. But when it did come, where could the distress be found? I have no difficulty in gaining the consent of my kind parents, and am promised that everything in their power shall be done to forward my happiness, were the first three lines, and in one moment all was joyful security the brightest glow was instantly spread over isabella's features all care and anxiety seemed removed her spirits became almost too high for control and she called herself without scruple the happiest of mortals mrs thorpe with tears of joy embraced her daughter her son her visitor and could have embraced half the inhabitants of bath with satisfaction her heart was overflowing with tenderness it was dear john and dear catherine at every word dear anne and dear maria must immediately be made sharers in their felicity and two dears at once before the name of isabella were not more than that beloved child had now well earned john himself was no skulker in joy he not only bestowed on mr morland the highest commendation of being one of the finest fellows in the world but swore off many sentences in his praise the letter whence sprang all this felicity was short containing little more than his assurances of success and every particular was deferred till james could write again but for particulars isabella could well afford to wait the needful was comprised in mr morland's promise his honour was pledged to make everything easy and by what means their income was to be formed whether landed property were to be re-signed or funded money made over was a matter in which her disinterested spirit took no concern she knew enough to feel secure of an honourable and speedy establishment and her imagination took a rapid flight over its attendant felicities she saw herself at the end of a few weeks the gaze and admiration of every new acquaintance at Fullerton, the envy of every valued old friend in putney With a carriage at her command, a new name on her tickets, and a brilliant exhibition of hoop rings on her finger.
1: Can I, I just want to interject from everything I'm hearing so far, Isabella still thinks James is loaded. Yep. And when she finds out that's not the case, I think we're going to see a complete 180.
0: Well, right now there is no, she's in absolute joy because the consent is is given and we'll figure out how to, to make sure you're happy. When the contents of the letter were ascertained, John Thorpe, who had only waited its arrival to begin his journey to London, prepared to set off. "'Well, Miss Morland,' said he, on finding her alone in the parlour, "'I am come to bid you good-bye.' Catherine wished him a good journey. Without appearing to hear her, he walked to the window, fidgeted about, hummed a tune, and seemed wholly self-occupied. "'Shall not you be late at Devis's?' said Catherine. He made no answer, "'That, after a minute's silent, burst out with, "'A famous good thing, this marrying scheme, upon my soul. "'A clever fancy of Morland's and Bell's. "'What do you think of it, Miss Morland? "'I say it is no bad notion. "'I am sure I think it is a very good one. "'Do you? "'That's honest by heavens. "'I am glad you are no enemy of matrimony, however. "'Did you ever hear the old song, "'Going to one wedding brings on another? "'I say you will come to Bell's wedding, I hope. "'Yes, I have promised your sister to be with her, if possible.' And then, you know, twisting himself about and forcing a foolish laugh, I say, then, you know, we may try the truth of this same old song. May we? But I never sing. Well, I wish you a good journey. I dine with Miss Tilney to-night, and must be now going home. Nay, but there is no such confounded hurry. Who knows when we may be together again? Not but that I will be down again by the end of a fortnight, and a devilish long fortnight it will appear to me.' "'Then why do you stay away so long?' replied Catherine, finding that he waited for an answer. "'That is kind of you. However, kind and good-natured. I shall not forget it in a hurry. But you have more good-nature and all that than anybody living, I believe. A monstrous deal of good-nature. And it is not only good-nature, but you have so much, so much of everything, and then you have such—upon my soul I do not know anybody like you.' "'Oh, dear, there are a great many people like me, I dare say, only a great deal better.' "'Good morning to you.' "'But I say, Miss Morland, "'I shall come and pay my respects at Fullerton "'before it is long, if not disagreeable. "'Pray do, my father and mother will be very glad to see you. "'And I hope—I hope, Miss Morland, "'you shall not be sorry to see me. "'Oh, dear, not at all. "'There are very few people I am sorry to see. "'Company is always cheerful.' that is just my way of thinking give me but a little cheerful company let me only have the company of the people i love let me only be where i like and with whom i like and the devil take the rest say i and i am heartily glad to hear you say the same but i have a notion miss morland you and i think pretty much alike upon most matters perhaps we may but it is more than i ever thought of and as to most matters to say the truth there are not many that i know my own mind about "'By Jove, no more do I. "'It is not my way to bother my brains "'with what does not concern me. "'My notion of things is simple enough. "'Let me only have a girl I like, say I, "'with a comfortable house over my head, "'and what care I for the rest? "'Fortune is nothing. "'I am sure of a good income of my own, "'and if she had not a penny, "'why so much the better?' "'Very true. "'I think like you there. "'If there is a good fortune on one side, "'there can be no occasion for any on the other, "'no matter which has it, "'so there is enough.' i hate the idea of one great fortune looking out for another and to marry for money i think the wickedest thing in existence good day we shall be very glad to see you at fullerton whenever is convenient and away she went it was not in the power of all his gallantry to detain her longer With such news to communicate, and such a visit to prepare for, her departure was not to be delayed by anything in his nature to urge, and she hurried away, leaving him to the undivided consciousness of his own happy address and her explicit encouragement. The agitation which she had herself experienced on first learning her brother's engagement made her expect to raise no inconsiderable emotion in Mr. and Mrs. Allen by the communication of the wonderful event how great was her disappointment the important affair which many words of preparation ushered in had been foreseen by them both since her brother's arrival and all that they felt on the occasion was comprehended in a wish for the young people's happiness with a remark on the gentleman's side in favour of isabella's beauty and on the ladies of her great good luck It was to Catherine the most surprising insensibility. The disclosure, however, of the great secret of James's going to Fullerton for the day before, did raise some emotion in Mrs. Allen. She could not listen to that with perfect calmness, but repeatedly regretted the necessity of its concealment, wished that she could have known his intention, wished she could have seen him before he went, as she should certainly have troubled him with her best regards to his father and mother, and her kind compliments to all the Skinners. So the only reason Mrs. Allen is upset is, like, I didn't get to use them to send a message. Mm. So wow. let's go back to that conversation with Thorpe.
1: Oh, dear. There's a lot to unpack in that chapter.
0: There's a lot to unpack in that chapter, but that that conversation. So we've got Thorpe, who has to go to London, right? Mm. And Catherine's like, look, I can't stay. I've got to go. He's like, hmm. She's saying, okay, have a good trip. I've got to go now. I've, I've, I can't stay. And he's like, well... Let's just talk now and let me talk about the fact that one wedding brings on another. And uh, do you like marriage? Like literally going, do you, what are your feelings on matrimony? Have you heard that song? Maybe we can find out the truth of that song. She's gone literal.
1: Yeah, I I do uh, like the whole conversation. I was thinking about that idea of um, uh, leading men on and how most men just, you know, don't take the hint.
0: Well, it's not just a hint. She's completely...
1: Yeah, they're, they're, they're talking two different conversations.
0: Completely different conversations. She's kind of gone, uh, look, I don't sing, but yeah, I'm coming to the wedding. Yeah, sure, you can visit my parents. I mean, your sister's marrying my brother, so of course they'll appreciate you popping in. Like, that's not good. Like, she doesn't think... Because she's not considering him a suitable person. Yeah. And so she doesn't even think that, that way. um, And yeah he's fl- flattering and and the mistake is that he was waiting for so she uh who knows when we might be together again i'll be back in a fortnight it'll be a long fortnight and katherine's just like well why do you why don't you come earlier then yeah why do you stay away um and the problem is that let's put on the Thorpe lenses what's that going to sound like to someone who thinks that he's just proposed marriage to her
1: yeah yeah oh i yeah. can't wait to see you again i wish you could come earlier
0: uh, he's just not... He's not a very... its Yeah, he's a twisted person. Very twisted. Oh, and we think alike. We must think alike. Well, the only thing they think alike... Here's the sentence. Um, that sentence that she said, that to marry for money is the wickedest thing in existence. Now, let's see how that turns out, especially with... If, if you know the feelings on how Thorpes will probably respond to the that assumption that James is loaded or connected to fortune, mm. Mm, mm. Um it's kind of comical the way that Mister and Missus Allen are like, yeah, that's that was obvious. It was obvious he was interested in her. Come on, were you not paying attention? She's like, how? What?
1: Yeah, Kath Catherine is a little too naive, but I mean. Uh, yeah it's it's that idea where is naivety really a bad thing i mean we all have to learn our from experience somehow
0: yeah but the thing is with her remember her understanding of society and romance is either anything she's seen around her which is not going to be like much or what she reads in books and in the gothic novels what happens is a lot more dramatic and over the top and you know the gothic romance is very much like he walked into the room and a, a pathway you know, emerged amongst the sea of the people who all were just stunned by his beauty and and he saw he eye his eyes his gaze fell upon her fair skin and delicate features and she was also in you know entranced by him and so both of these these two beautiful and mysterious people have, you know the that things happen and, and people just witness it so she's I, she's used to that drama
1: hyperbole and melodrama
0: yes hyperbole and melodrama and like um yeah just that constant over the top so she doesn't she it's not something that she necessarily understands like she sees the warm and the happy and the gentle tenderness between her parents in terms of like a, it's a happy home. Mm. Right. And there's a care and a consideration. There's a bit of humor or whatever, but then she sees also Mr. And Mrs. Allen and a little bit of like Mrs. Allen's not particularly um, like she, they both have their interests and their foibles and their quirks, but they are genuinely like they're relatively good people. They see the good in people, right. On average in the conversations we've seen um and he she she hasn't seen harmful dialogue she hasn't seen she's been confused by it now because she's been hanging out with Isabella and the Thorpes and just kind of going why would someone say something that isn't true or why would someone say something they didn't mean and yeah. it confuses her still and it confuses uh James uh no, James uh yes James sorry it like there was a bit of James James might have a little bit more experience because he's seen more of it but it's not something that would have been normal in their home or their household.
1: So I'm of this mind, but do you think the proposal was more Isabella needling him into it?
0: I don't know about that. I think he has a lot of a conflated sense of self-importance. He's very confused. And then you've got that additional um, thing of them thinking that the family somehow loaded or especially connected to, Mr. and Mrs. Allen and they're somehow really wealthy, and they have no heirs. And the fact that they've brought, uh, they've brought Catherine to, uh, Bath, and she's their ward whilst in Bath, is going to be causing some assumptions on their part. And we know they twist reality to their no, 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 perception no, I, of reality. No, no, sorry.
1: Um, I meant. That Isabella needled James into
0: making the proposal. Oh, no. Well, maybe. I don't know about that because James, we already saw, was smitten. The fact that he engaged, (laughs) there was an argument between um, him, Catherine, uh, Isabella, and, and John. And he did not take his sister's side because she was not making it easy for him to spend time with the one that he likes. Yeah, and she was, well, she was delaying or detaining it by a day or two days or whatever. <laughs> like, it was ridiculous. So um, the ki- his sister was being inconvenient for his smittenness towards this other girl and he wanted to do everything possible to make isabella happy and isabella wouldn't possibly be happy if they were going out on tuesday wanted to make sure they go on out on whatever so has whether isabella has been filling his head with notions and nonsense yeah definitely we know that and because neither him or catherine are well versed with how people do this i mean the fact that he sees john thorpe as just a bit of a like yeah just a little bit uh, of a, um, I think the word, I can't remember what it was like a bit of a ham. Like he's just a bit of a... Rascal. Rascal. A little bit rascally, but women like that. They like their bad boys. Like he's not uh, thinking in terms of, mate, this is someone who's untruthful, boastful, lies. Uh, who knows what else he does? And the way he treats people around him in terms of constantly mocking, and di- belittling and diminishing. Yeah. That's not a great sign and I mean the the fact that he's not able to see that because he's met the pretty sister
1: or you know he just sees it as oh he's a bit of a laugh with his behavior.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's it's like uh also I don't know how well their par- if if um if Catherine is anything to go by how well the prepar- the parents have prepared their kids to deal with what when they encounter this kind of behavior. Mm how strong or how well have they imbued their kids with values so that they can identify or form their own value system that is based, hopefully, on that premise, and then uh, be able to identify when something is very much a contradiction and and being able to cope with that and not lose who you are as a person if you see something that... It's the idea of being a bad influence or having a bad influence. Influence only works if you don't have a certain uh, set of... Um, standards that you want to apply to yourself
1: Yeah, if, if you don't have bedrock
0: yeah if you don't have bedrock if you don't know who you want to be you'll be washed towards, away
1: by any significant yeah. wave in yeah. life to,
0: and to in continue this case the metaphor yeah to continue yeah and then so the question is we don't know what's going on in terms we can see already in in catherine she's fairly staunch like she she kind of knows what she is but she also mm. said I haven't made up my mind on many things I don't know what my mind is on a lot of stuff she even says it in this conversation with Thor. Um, mm-hmm. Where is it? A uh, great deal of people. they take the rest? Yeah. Uh, I have the notion, Miss Morland, you and I think pretty much alike upon most matters. Perhaps we may. But it is more than I ever thought of. In other words, I didn't ever think of that. And as to matters to say the truth, there are not many that I know my own mind about. I don't know yet whether I do or don't disagree with you on things. She's still learning about the world. She's still figuring out where she stands on certain views and discussions.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and, and that's normal for what well, she's 16, 17. 17. 17. Yeah. She's 17. That's perfectly normal. You're still trying to figure out where your values are and how they fit into society in terms of how this looks like. Yeah. Uh, the fact that she's got a strong view on uh, fortune and the fact that if fortune only marries her fortune, that that's not actually a good thing. And if you have enough to be content is more aligned with what, how she sees things.
1: She, she's got the blossoming of uh, Bedrock of Values. You know, she values yeah. honesty.
0: She th- values kindness. We had mm. that with the sisters. She pre- appreciates kindness. She doesn't like intrigue and, and, and le- le- leaving people out. Uh, and being, un- yeah, being, um, she values love. But that's also because she believes that there is a power in love.
1: And she she doubts herself. A couple times in this book, I've uh, complimented her for even, even when she was in the right to inwardly look at herself and go, maybe I didn't have all the information. Maybe maybe I was wrong.
0: Yeah, she's very much accountability, self-reflection, continuous evaluation and growth and change. That is Those seem to be her value. Like the fact that she admits, I don't know everything about myself yet i don't know all my views hmm. yet i'm still forming them that's a huge thing for someone to say and admit
1: yeah uh john thorpe will never say that
0: no no because he knows everything and anything there is to know about everything and anything in the universe so it's 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 one of those things there is almost a um you know i think we've made, made this come up before but this idea of uncertainty there's a difference between uncertainty and Being wishy-washy, fence sitting, whatever—the difference with uncertainty and acknowledging that uncertainty is part of who we are and how we interact with the world and experience the world. That difference is that we actually acknowledge that there's a—we we we can't. No one person can know absolutely everything, and that we will constantly. We are constantly in a state where we can learn if we are open to learning. It doesn't mean you have to lose your values or change the very essence of who you are but it does mean that you should be encouraged to question and reflect and grow constantly otherwise what's the point you know the, it's um it's the, the, like the reed and the oak tree <laughs> in the storm the big oak tree will come oh. down crashing but if you're a reed and you you still have to have um you need to be who you are as a reed like you need to have your fiber, your integrity, or whatever, but in a storm you're less likely to snap and just. You,
1: you hear that, reeds. You gotta be who you are.
0: Be a reed. Be a reed. No, like especially
1: yeah. Reed Richards.
0: Hi 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 hi. Okay, um, but yes, there's so much to it. this. This this yes yes. And uh, and you know
1: actually that goes even further because. He's Mister Fantastic. He can stretch into all kinds of
0: things. There's so many jokes about the read uh, by Raids and the Fantastic Four. But yes, ah, oh. but yes. Yeah, so this, this. So now we are. We have the engagement. At least the consent we know has been given. Mm. Isabel has gone off into fantasy land as to what that means. Yeah, I believe so. Next chapter, the belief is.
1: Well, let's see. I'm guessing next chapter will probably be her dinner at uh, the Tilney's. Yes. Um, And it'll be interesting to see how they respond to the news if they do not know already. Uh, Because I Mm. imagine like news like that in the pump room, that's got to catch like wildfire, right? Yeah. Especially around a a community like Bath. Um,
0: But also uh, remember, Henry is not a huge fan of Thorpe.
1: No, no, he is not. Um, and actually, yeah, both Tilneys don't really hang around the pump room, although General Tilney might have heard.
0: Yeah, well, well even in the conversation, it might come up because it's an official mm. engagement. They're officially engaged, right? And
1: Catherine is excited about it.
0: Yeah, it's like, what's new? Oh, well, my brother got engaged with Isabel Thorpe. Okay, isn't that the sister of the dude who didn't understand that you were like, who refu- stopped, wouldn't stop talking to you when I was engaged to dance with you? Like, he has no manners. Yeah, And the so... guy who came and talked to me, like General Tillman's like, yeah, the, is that the same dude who came and talked to me, even though I didn't actually know him know him, like he wasn't introduced. There was, remember the introduction, if you're not introduced, you're not meant to talk. Mm. He's not an acquaintance of the generals, despite, like, I'm sorry, you think he's an acquaintance of the general because they happen to be in the same pool room?
1: <laughs> you know. Um, also, then... did,
0: maybe maybe he says he played pool against him, but did he actually play pool with him? Or he heard that he had come to the same pool room that he happened to have visited or yeah, something. Yeah. Whatever comes out of Thorpe's mouth we already know is, is mm, whatever. Suspect. Um, yeah.
1: I would think also that probably the next time we see Isabella in the story, that might be when she realizes the um, reality of her situation
0: yeah well the, the, what in terms of material yeah because yeah.
1: i i'm i'm of no illusion that she is marrying be beca- of directly because of perceived wealth i mean the fact that her mother was so happy for her when we yeah. know about exactly what her um goals are for her daughters
0: yeah and and i mean yeah there's a lot of dodginess there there's a lot of dodgyness. Well, the thing is, the things like well, the la- ta- land title will have to be tra- something will have to be transferred or whatever. Like, there's that kind of conversation, and you're going, "Well, guys, um, mm, yeah, like remember, there's ten kids, and they all are healthy, and they seem to all be growing and thriving." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Although, they're not- I guess yeah.
1: um, uh, James is the eldest
0: um i think he's the eldest so he's one of the older brothers i don't know if he is the eldest the eldest
1: because if i remember like the idea is always like the inheritance usually goes to like the eldest son right
0: um usually yes usually yes um but yeah we'll we'll see how things go i'm a bit like yes as we know the dinner is next chapter so i just need to put a bookmark bookmark so the next chapter will be most likely the dinner, and then we'll see what happens with the engagement and how things work out. But yes, uh, Which eventual. means,
1: actually, we might be leaving Bath. I don't think they'll have the wedding there.
0: Find out what happens. Mm.
1: Well, because mm-hmm. we talked, I can't remember how many episodes ago, but about how... Um, we're reaching, like, the midpoint of the story and talking about Tilney being a clergyman. And then I, I, I thought that sooner or later we'd have to leave, like, this nice little vacation town and go somewhere else for the remainder of the story.
0: Well, yes, yes, that makes sense. Um, that it is time to maybe leave Bath. Well, there's there's much to find out. There's a desire <laughs> of Thorpe to go to Fullerton and pay his <laughs> yeah. respects to the parents.
1: You can't spend too long in the bathroom; you get wrinkled.
0: Uh, oh, dear! But yes, there's a lot of. Uh, let's just find out what happens in next chapter, um, which is uh, next episode. Uh, so we hope that you will all enjoy. You've enjoyed today's episode, and we hope that you continue to uh, listen in. The music at the top of the podcast is Charlie Mull and the Regency Players, uh, Northanger Abbey soundtrack. And the music at the end of the podcast is I Am The Slime by Frank Zappa. You can find me on Twitter at RueMcMoo. Roo that's R-O-O-M-C-M-O-O.
1: And I'm over on Twitter at Dave underscore the underscore turnip. If you would like to get into contact with our podcast, we have a Facebook page and a Twitter profile. They both have the same address. That's at SMB. SLT podcast. And if you put an at gmail.com to the end of that, you can email us as well. We would love to hear feedback from you what you think of the book so far, what you think of previous books, um, mm-hmm. any thoughts you have about our discussion. And if you have books you would like us to read in the future, please tell us. We will take them under advisement.
0: Awesome. So until next time, happy reading, everybody. And uh... Hopefully you will hear us soon.
1: Bye.